0: Welcome to the AK-47 Podcast. My name is Kristen Godsey, and today is February 14th, which is traditionally celebrated as Valentine's Day in the United States, a very commercial holiday that attempts to commodify love to sell us a bunch of stuff. I've been thinking a lot about Valentine's Day, actually, and today I'm going to read a little section from... Alexandra Kollontai's 1911 book review. It was actually a book review that she published of a German book called The Sexual Crisis. And since it's really specific to this book, and it's very outdated, I'm just going to read a little excerpt that I think is kind of interesting. It's it's Alexandra Kollontai's critique of marriage, which is relevant to the day, I suppose. But before I do that, I just want to give a little context for Valentine's Day In 2019, it seems 51% of Americans, the ones who celebrated Valentine's day spent 20.7 billion, that's with a B billion dollars on candies, flowers, greeting cards, jewelry, clothing, and fancy meals. According to the national retail foundation in the United States, The overall spending on Valentine's Day in 2019 was at record highs, even though there were fewer number of people that were celebrating Valentine's Day in a traditional way, they were spending more money. So in the 10 year period between 2009 and 2019, the average per person spending on Valentine's Day rose from $103 to $162, which is a huge shot in the arm to the capitalist economy, of course. So let's put this in perspective. $20 billion is a little less than the entire annual economic activity of a country like Iceland. And according to the World Bank, there are 70 countries with a nominal GDP that is less than $20 billion. And what that means is that Americans in 2019 spent on one Valentine's Day what many nations in 2019 produced economically for the entire year. And I think it's really interesting because at the same time, a recent survey that was done by Cigna found that nearly half of Americans reported sometimes feeling or always feeling alone or left out. And there's this sort of epidemic of loneliness going on in our country when people say that they don't really have anyone to talk to and they don't really feel close to people. And this was before the pandemic. And so, I think it's really interesting when we think about Valentine's Day as this totally commercialized thing and how it really is a way for capitalists to kind of extract more money from us in order to somehow demonstrate that we love the people that we love by buying them things or, you know, spending money on fancy dinners or whatever. So, I think Valentine's Day is a really strange holiday and obviously it's a holiday that's meant to celebrate romantic love but a lot of people have subverted this day in the United States we have the un-Valentine's Day which is where people celebrate I guess being single and then there are Galentine's Days which is where women buy each other presents or hang out with their girlfriends it's a it's a way of kind of subverting the overt commercialization of romantic love and the fact that we live in an economy where people are out there hustling and working so hard that they don't have time to find partners or have relationships and so people are just exhausted and finding that all of their time is being sucked up by their jobs or by their um, you know need to hustle one way or the other to get through school or deal with just the craziness of, of life of, you know, fixing the fridge and, and taking out the garbage and, and all of the doing your taxes kind of crap that you have to do in order to get by in this world. And so one day a year, we're supposed to stop and pay attention to our relationships And you nurture them with a huge $20 billion infusion of cash, which I think just goes to show that capitalism is incredibly cynical about our relationships. So I'm just going to read an excerpt from, as I said, this 1911 essay called Love and the New Morality. It was, in fact, a book review of this book, The Sexual Crisis. And Meisel Hess is the German author of the book that Alexandra is is discussing. And as with most book reviews, it's sort of engaging with this book. And so rather than read the entire essay, I'm just going to read her interesting critique of marriage. So if you've listened to earlier episodes of the podcast... You will know that Alexandra Kollontai believes that love and our conception of love is very much related to the material conditions of the political economic structures under which we live. And so here, she's really saying that in order to change the way we love each other, the way we interact in our personal relationships, we need to also not only transform our psyche, the way we think about love, but obviously the conditions of production in society, So this is Love and the New Morality, an excerpt. We can fling open the locked door leading out into the fresh air and onto the path to closer, more loving, and consequently happier relationships between the sexes, only if the human psyche is radically changed and man's potential for loving is increased. Such a change inevitably demands the basic transformation of socioeconomic relations. In other words, it demands the transition to communism. What are the chief inadequacies? What are the dark sides of legal marriage? Legal marriage is based on two equally false principles, that marriage should be forever and that the partners belong to each other and are each other's property. The idea of marriage forever is in contradiction to all that psychological scientists know about how the psyche changes during the long course of a human life. The demand made by contemporary morality deserves to be laughed at. Each person must at all costs find their happiness. People are obliged to select straight away and without making a mistake, the one person from among the millions of their contemporaries with whom their soul is in harmony. Only by discovering their second self will they be guaranteed a successful marriage. If a person, especially if that person is a woman, in groping for the ideal, tears the heart on the sharp thorns of life's disappointments, society, perverted by current morality, instead of coming forward to help a fellow human being in distress, starts victimizing that person. Modern society doesn't care about individual happiness or even about appearances. Society has the interests of property at heart, and for this reason is prepared to look on an open change of relationship as a great personal insult. Meisel Hess dryly points out that, quote, marriage is like a flat. You become aware of its dark corners only when you've lived in it a while. It's hard luck, of course, if you have to change flats all the time because they turn out to be uncomfortable and inadequate, but that's better than being forced by circumstances to stay in an unsuitable place. It must be completely accepted by society that a person in the course of his long life and in the process of the development of his personality will change sexual partners, unquote. It seems even more absurd that marriages should be indissoluble when you bear in mind that most legal marriages are contracted in the dark. The marriage partners have only the vaguest idea of each other. They know little about the personality of the other, and more than that, they have absolutely no idea if they are suited physically. And happiness in marriage is not possible unless there is physical harmony. Trial nights, which, according to Meisel Hess, were common practice in the Middle Ages, are far from being absurdly lacking in decency. In a different social environment, people might, in the interest of the human race, and in order to ensure the happiness of individuals, exercise this right. The idea of property and the undisputed rights of possession that one partner has over the other is the second factor poisoning legal marriage. In fact, you get this ridiculous situation. The complicated, many-sided personalities of two people who are close to each other, only in a few ways, are obliged to suit each other in every way. Undisputed possession leads to the partners being always and inconveniently with each other. You no longer have your own time, your own will, and because of the economic dependence involved, you often don't even have your own separate corner. The continual presence of the other person and the inevitably unreasonable demands made on one, as on a piece of property, turn even a passionate love into indifference and lead to an insufferable nagging over little things. You really have to agree with Meisel Hess that when two people live on top of each other all of the time, the tender spring flower of even the most loving attachment will be killed. You need to have so much consideration for the other person, such a great supply of warmth if you are to develop out of the first rush of passion, the fruits of a deep, irrevocable emotional attachment formed in the sun of mutual warmth. The sense of property and of foreverness of legal marriage has a harmful effect on the psyche. A man has to make only the smallest emotional effort to preserve the external trappings of an attachment, since the partner is in any case riveted to him for life. For the modern form of legal marriage impoverishes the soul and in no way helps mankind to gather the store of great love, which the Russian genius Tolstoy talked of and longed for. So that was an excerpt from Alexandra Kollontai's 1911 review of this book, The Sexual Crisis by the German author Meisel Hess. And obviously, this was a conversation about marriage, about relationships, about sexuality, spurred on, of course, by the work of people like Sigmund Freud in Europe that, you know, had a lot of people talking about kind of the problems of relationships between men and women. And I think it's important, of course, to put Colin work into this broader context of the conversation that was going on in Europe at the time. She was, in fact, responding to lots of different scholarly works, talking about sexuality and talking about human relationships. But obviously, what's unique about Kolontai's work in the spirit of the work of the German social democrat August Babel is, in fact, that she really sees capitalism and capitalist relations of production as being... Very largely responsible for some of the problems, the commodification of of women, in particular women's lives, that are underpinning all of these various sexual issues in, in Europe at the time. So I think it's really interesting that she brings up this idea in conversation with Meisel Hess of the trial nights, right? Uh, which is, you know, I think very similar to what we would think of as hookup culture, where people are obviously nowadays, over 110 years later, having premarital sex and sort of trying each other out before they decide to you know, become permanently attached in some way, even if we do have the kind of serial monogamy in many of our advanced industrialized societies that Colin and I was talking about, we do still very much expect our lovers or our partners to be everything, in the same way that she's saying that people get stifled, where... You may have, you know, a few things in common with your partner, but the fact that suddenly this person is supposed to be everything to you, emotional and physical and intellectual partner uh, across all sorts of different categories, and that that can sometimes be a really big problem. Uh, She also talks about the property relationship inherent in many monogamous relationships. And I think this is something that we've talked on the podcast about a lot. And obviously, Valentine's Day is all about celebrating these kinds of monogamous bonds with money and, and you know, attending to those relationships with various material goods, because it's good for our market economy. Now, to be fair, I've read a few articles recently saying that Valentine's Day is really canceled this year because of the pandemic. And I think people are really feeling kind of grumpy about the you know, insistent commodification of various holidays. And, you know, like this is the one day that you're supposed to really care about your partner to the exclusion of the other 364 days of the year. It's a kind of an interesting idea. So that's my little Valentine's Day rant. Um, mm-hmm. Because I'm, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, how to make lots of Valentine's works relevant to the present day, but also Because in the case where, like this book review, it is so incredibly dated. Uh, It's, you know, it dates back to 1911. It's over 110 years ago. It's before the First World War. So trying to kind of bring these works into the present discourse is not always easy. And uh, it's one of the challenges of, of doing this podcast after two years so we've already made it to the middle of February of 2021. And with Women's History Month in the United States coming up and International Women's Day on March 8th, I am keeping very busy. I wanted to let my listeners know if they're interested that I recently appeared on the Economic Update podcast and YouTube show of Richard Wolf And I also appeared as a guest on two episodes of a new podcast, or actually it's not that new, but it was relatively new to me called Capitalism Hits Home with Harriet Fraud and Juliana Forlano. I will leave links to all three of these YouTube videos in the show notes for this episode. And I'm mostly talking about my own book, Why Women Had Better Sex Under Socialism and Other Arguments for Economic Independence, but also Second World, Second Sex, looking at the role of socialist women during the Cold War at the United Nations. And in the Capitalism Hits Home podcast, which is a really interesting podcast about the way that capitalism impacts our personal lives. I was talking more broadly about the differences between liberal feminism and socialist feminism, as well as the commodification of our relationships, many of the same themes that I talk about on this show, but obviously in a slightly different context. And then I have a variety of other events that are scheduled throughout March. I'm doing a keynote lecture at the University of Kansas, for International Women's Day on the history of International Women's Day. I've got two lectures and a roundtable at a university in Paris that all of these things will be online now, obviously, because of the pandemic and a variety of other events that I'm going to be either hosting, moderating or participating in in one way or another and as they come about in March which is always a really busy month because of International Women's Day and because of Women's History Month in the United States I will let you know in case you're interested in engaging in some of the broader conversations around socialist feminism and particularly the scholarship that's being done these days around issues of socialist women at the United Nations or on the world stage in a variety of different ways and also on sexuality and I'm in, I'm doing a panel with uh, two professors, one from Poland and one from the Czech Republic at Harvard at the Davis Center at the end of March. And all of these things are going to be online and are free and open to the public. So if you are interested, please do check the show notes or check my website, which is www.KristinGodsey.com under the tab events and all of the information about where I will be appearing and speaking virtually should be updated pretty regularly there once I have the information. So as always, thank you so much for listening and keep up the good fight.